Hey, husband. Yes, wife? Why did the Clydesdale give the pony a glass of water? Why? Because he was a little horse. <sighs> wow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Random's Thoughts. I'm husband. And I'm wife. And this is episode 14, right? Sure. Okay. I think we're getting to the point where we may not be able to mention that every time anymore. I think it's important to bring that sort of stuff up as a housekeeping thing, just to keep it organized. Okay. I don't know. It was something I remember from, from way back in college that it was it's important to number things, to keep things organized in communication. That's because you're a sociopath, but anyway. Well, there is that. So, we're back again, and... My PC blew up, so... Literally. <laughs> well, not literally, yeah, but... I'm pretty close. I'm not sure whether it's the power supply or not, so this episode may be a little challenging for us to put together, but yes. we'll see how it goes. We actually recorded on wife's iPhone, and then she edits everything on her iPhone, believe it or not. Yes. But we were going... Because I have long train rides to work, so it's a good thing to do during long train rides to work. And we were intending to try and transition to using some other software to make her life a little bit easier and maybe do some other cool stuff, and, well, that may get put on the back burner for a little while. Yeah. To start it off, guess what husband has finally done? He's entered into the realm of social media... And now, random Calm thoughts. down. I've been on Twitter for a long time. Yeah, it, that was the worst thing I've ever done, so we'll see how Facebook goes. But, Random's Thoughts is now on Facebook, so if you want to look for our group, Husband, You Made It, give them the name of the group. Well, it's just look for Random's Thoughts on Facebook, and the idea is that we're, we don't, we intentionally did not enable comments on the website, uh, especially... Well, as you can imagine, drive-by comments, I didn't want to have to sit there and curate it. I think this would be a little bit easier to try and do that. So this way people have a place to respond to us. I, we still definitely are looking to hear back from people. So if you want to email us, perfectly fine. If you want to make it a little more public so that way we could have a dialogue, then that's perfectly fine too. So, like I said, just search for Random's Thoughts, and you'll see our little blue logo with our T-Rex hanging out back there. Yes. Which uh, probably needs an update, since I'd, I'd like to think that I've gotten better at pixel art than that. Sure you have. But anyway, so that was the real quick thing. One other uh, housekeeping thing that I wanted to bring up was in our last episode, maybe the one before, it was the last one, right? I think so. We were talking about a suggestion that came in about banning versus a restricted list versus this new type of restricted list. And I wanted to clarify that what I had talked about last time, I totally misunderstood. It looks like it was actually posted again, and I don't know why I misunderstood it other than, you know, I must have read it early in the morning or late at night. But it looks like it got posted in the RetroWow TCG group. So if you haven't seen that, definitely go head over there and check it out. The idea being that there would be a list where you could have some cards in the list, but not all, or it would exclude them based on certain criteria. More details, like I said, are in the post. It's something we do want to talk about because it's a cool idea. But as we started out the top with, we're trying to spread the content out a little bit. Yes. So So that leads us into an ex a fun and exciting uh, response we got to our build around of last week. Um, for those of you who were at uh, Gen Con this year, 
Mr. Pat Eschke, you can say his name better than I can, who is playing Wondervolt, had also thought about a chromie deck, um, and he had wanted to add Morozond and only have one chromie and get it with Scimitar Soroku. So when we talked about it last time, one of the issues we had was trying to tutor for chromie because once she gets shuffled back in, it's a little bit more challenging than just you know yanking her out of the graveyard or something. So Morozond, I think, is a really cool potential inclusion, probably mandatory. And honestly, I've always wanted an excuse to use the leader of the, the Infinite Dragonflight. Of course you did. And it's also a master hero that, air quotes, costs two, which is cool. But it's another thing to go on the pile of lists that we're going to have to try. So if anybody out there has any other suggestions or any other ideas, or if this is maybe getting the wheels turning in your head, definitely jump on our page or in the Retro Wow group and, you know, throw us your thoughts. Now we're going to segue into our first topic of discussion up for this week, which is a, not really new, but a fun and interesting different sort of gameplay. So, our new fun and interesting, well, not so new, but still fun and interesting um, idea for maybe events or gameplay comes back... Even if you're back, just playing at the kitchen table, I think this, this one will go over pretty well. Is back to Lazy Peon. Zug Zug. So... Me not that kind of orc. <laughs> just to refresh everybody's memory, this actually was a format that launched with the game what, proper, if I recall correctly. Now, Along I, with like... 20 other type yeah, of formats. Because you know, the 800-pound gorilla in the room is magic, and it's because of its long history, it has all these other things. You have EDH, you have Draft, you have Sealed. You, you have, have Pauper. You have Pauper. You even have Peasant. You have a million different kinds of, of other limited formats. You have this, you have that. So when WoW launched, since Magic predated it, and by a significant number of years, I think they kind of had a Me Too attitude. With a lot of these things? Yeah. Um, so Definitely seems like it. Yeah. One of them was Lazy Peon. Now, I jumped into the game later on and wife later than me. So, I'm going by what I've read. So, I, I'm fairly certain it started. But the idea is what, wife? The idea is everything that you have in a regular WoW game. Except you can only use commons and uncommons. Now... It's jumping back to magic real quick. In Pauper, they only allow you to use commons. Now, magic has, as we just discussed, a much, much larger library of cards. Yes. So the number of commons and overlapping functionality and things like that is there. You don't have to worry about scrounging to find the one card that does this thing. You want a disenchant effect? There's a million. You want a bounce effect? There's two million. You want a burn spell? You'll drown in them. Whereas for WoW, it, I think it makes sense, especially if, if I am correct that this format started with the start, inception of the game, it makes sense to include commons and uncommons. Yeah. Plus, it's kind of difficult to do it because all the heroes are uncommon. If yeah. you were to literally just say all commons. So no heroes go. So, well, Tupac has no heroes technically. Yeah, but it's so much fun. But anyway, so the reason we wanted to talk about this is... At first glance, you may think that these sort of formats, pauper, peasant, lazy peon, whatever you want to call it, would be kind of boring. It would end up being like a really awkward draft game or sealed game because there are no bombs, there are no rares, there are no epics. 
you don't get a lot of those wacky, off-the-wall, interesting cards. Or do, do you? you? And that's what we're going to get to in a second. But if you look at Magic, again, not to beat a dead horse, but their pauper format is actually incredibly powerful. It's arguably one of the more powerful formats because it pulls from things from the entire history of the game. So you get all these crazy interactions, you get the redundancies, and you get stuff from in the beginning before they really knew what they were doing, interacting with new stuff, and you find all these weird combos. And in our research, as brief as it may have been, we actually found some interesting stuff. So, um, like husband said, there were a lot of interesting ideas that we came up with. Um, and just to say, when I said brief, I mean brief. Like this was, we said, oh, well, what about this? And then within five minutes, we had like 50 ideas we wanted to throw out there. Yeah, and not nearly enough time in real life to research them all. So the game, um, like we said, is commons and uncommons. You think that that takes a lot of things off the board. However, it brings back one of my favorite decks, husband. And what's that, wife? Murlocs. That's true. All the, the Murlocs. Now, I was going to say that Lazy Peon is not just draftrejects.deck. But, but wife insisted on building 36 Murloc Coast Runners as her first list. 28. Oh, 28. Okay, my bad. Because guess what's still legal, husband? What? Unleash. That's Unleash true. the Swarm is still legal. And that made me really happy. Now, the, the, the question for that, because I imagine most people out there probably are going to jump to the same thing. Well, if almost literally or possibly even more than half your deck is Murloc Coast Runners... And that was arguably viable at the time. Like, it, it's got to be good in this. But I, what is what was your hero going to be? Because you have a lot of options. Um, I was going to go with Girl and Murgle. I mean, that seems like the obvious one. Depending on how things shake out, maybe Rarburgle would be better. I, he might be better, but Gurgle and Murgle is more fun to say, and he was also the first Murloc hero that I thought of in the under 10 minutes that we've been discussing Lazy Peon and right. me coming up with a list. This is where I think it would be interesting if, and it's tough because if you come up with custom cards, for example, more one-cost Murlocs, it's naturally going to be a buff to that deck, and as we mentioned, that deck can just, oops, I win draws sometimes, and in completely non-interactive ways. So while on one hand I would love to be able to unleash something other than a Murloc Coast Runner... Although for me, it, it always you flip over the top seven, it's the other three unleashes, two Chumleys, and two Coast Runners. Because that's what always happens. Mine always ends up being Baby Murlocs, which I'm okay with. Well, at least it's something you put into play. But it, point being is I, I would love to have other options, but it's something that's kind of, I don't know. Any case, so other than that, like we said, we did come up with a bunch of lists. Most of the early ones were aggressive ones. For example... Blood and Thunder puts two, for four, puts two, two, two orcs with ferocity into play that can only attack heroes. Well, most of the good aggressive orcs and a lot of the good aggressive allies, such as Rosalind, such as Zugna, such as Blood Soul, they're all cheap. Yeah. And guess what? They're all commons and uncommons. Yeah, there are a lot of cheap orcs. Exactly. There And there's a lot of cheap allies in general that are commons and uncommons that 
pretty strong for most relatively aggressive so ally decks. Here's where things start getting interesting. So most of the treasure cards, say from Black Temple, say from Anixia, from Naxxramas, from Assault on Ice Crown Citadel, whatever, most of those are, or maybe not most, but a lot of the ones you're going to think of are rare. You know, Shadowmorn, I think, is epic. You're not going to get uh, Scourgeborn Battle Gear or whatever it is, the, uh, the arena thing for Death Knight. But Boneshoer Behemoth is an uncommon, which is an orc. And if anybody knows their history, the old Lion... Uh, is it Lionar? Whatever the traitor orc's name is. They ran those. Now, you don't get Orgrimmar because it's a rare, but you do get super aggressive orcs backed up by burn with bodies attached. And suddenly you have like a potentially dangerous, aggressive build for a format that we admittedly went in thinking, well, this is kind of a joke. Let's just yeah. see. We thought, oh, you know, this would be a really great way for anybody who just wants to build janky stuff to come together and build something just a little goofy, all commons and uncommons. And, I mean, I do think it's a possibly good format for that, but there's a lot of strong stuff that seems to go into it, too. So even moving beyond that, but staying on the topic of the treasure cards, <laughs> arguably my favorite card ever is Phylactery of the Nameless Lich. Uh, of course it is. Which is an uncommon, which means Zombie Go is live. And guess what? So is Feltrade. Yeah. Now, here's the complicated part. Most of the really awesome high-end allies are rare and epic, so it's like, okay, I'll Feltrade for nine. What do I get? A Zophos. <laughs> which, if you don't know what that <laughs> is, don't feel bad. The card is awful. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, like, a high-end drop. I... I think I played it in draft once back in Drums Block. Maybe. Like, it, it, the card is kind of bad. Yeah. But point is, is that there's a number of different things that you could play, including, and this is where we started really getting the gears turning, because you obviously have your whatever themes in Alliance or Horde. And monsters, well, you got Murlocs. You can't really play Beasts, because I wanted to go there, because a lot of the cool ones, again, are rare and epic. But... You can play the old Servants of Betrayer demons. So you can play Zia. You can play Obliveron. You can play Curzon. You can play Famish the Binder. And you can play Mother Misery. So Husband loves Mother Misery. Now, um, you will possibly see in the future um, on our website a Mother Misery build. But Mother Misery gets to play with all the weapons. Yes. Well, really, all she gets to play with is the yes. weapons, which is really the point and part of the fun. But there are some very interesting additions from recent sets, such as Betrayal of the Guardian and also Reign of Fire. In the case of Kellen's Dagger of Escape, there's the Millennium Blade. There's a number of different options that maybe Mother Misery isn't quite there for normal play, but maybe she has some legs in this format to go with her six arms. Yeah, I. she definitely will get her butt beat pretty bad in a regular format, but I think she might have a chance in Lazy Peon. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, husband, but I think it opens up a larger variety of decks, would you say? Maybe not necessarily larger variety, because I still think the classic is hugely unexplored. Yes, this I is mean, true. let's be real. We've had two 
major events since the end of the game relating to Classic. And as a result, we don't have a lot of data. I mean, we again, not to beat a dead horse because we've been over this in tons of podcasts prior, but I think that there's a lot of room for exploration, and that's before you consider whether we ban anything else. We unban something else. We go with one of the restricted options. We create custom cards. You know, there, there's a lot of different ways to refresh it. I think that Lazy Peon right now is the the new shiny for us. Yeah. So it's, it's all the, those creative juices are flowing. Um, this is true. I will say, though, with Lazy Peon, what attracts me to it is now that product is getting slightly harder to find than it ever has been before. I think it's a little bit easier to find commons and uncommons than yeah. Unfortunately, uh, some of our <laughs> older product. Unfortunately, you're not going to go out there and find looted boxes anymore or people who are selling entire play sets of all the commons and uncommons from a set. But it is going to be easier than, for some bizarre reason, Frostmourne is still like $50. I don't understand why, but it is. Because it's the shiny sword of death. But, like, that and Doomhammer, I mean, I want to build decks with them, and yeah, we could proxy it, but I personally like having the physical card. Yes, you do. Well, it, I don't want to look at just a scrap of paper with stuff scribbled on it. Like, these cards have nice artwork. They have a, there was a lot of effort that was put into laying them out. Like, I like having the physical card in my hand. But anyway, back to Lazy Peon. So, pick a theme out there, dear listener, and post about it, either in the Retro Wow group or on our page. And let's talk about Lazy Peon a bit. Except for Murlocs. They're mine. I'm well, kidding. I'm kidding. Discuss those two. Feel free to throw out <laughs> Murlocs, because, well, I, know, I think Frenzy Finn, the one that lets you tutor for Murlocs, is an uncommon. But, like, the, the Murloc who lets you sweep the board and uh, Gobbler are rare. And epic, respectively, I think. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, a lot of the best ones are, but you still get the ones that give you plus one health or or ferocity, and those are good enough for me. Right. Well, what I was going for is, for example, one of the lists that I've been working on is a ghoul-based list. So you play Kalisa the the Ghoul Master? Ghoul Caller? I forget her title. But anyway, it's the one where you pay to discard an ally, make a 3-3 ghoul. Well... If this is a, it's going to be a lower powered format comparatively, but it still could be pretty high powered, just, you know, a step mm-hmm. below classic or a notch below classic. So you could still do super explosive things, just it's not a Wondervolt, it's not a Bunnies, it's not a, you know, or even Emic or, or Spire Solitaire or, yeah. or something like that. So you force your opponent to play, I guess, a more fair game, since a lot of those more intricate and involved cards are rare and epic. So you could do something like Ghouls and actually get mileage out of, say, Death Coil or Drandis the Ghoul Caller or things that probably never would have seen play otherwise. Yeah. So a lot of those lower-tier themes may have a chance to shine here. And as Wife said, if you, you know... You got all these comments and a comments laying around. You might as well do something with them. Yeah, that's... Instead of building those big castles at Gen Con that they Card-hala. have over there. Cardhala, yeah. <laughs> Makes me so sad because all you're ever going to see are WoW cards. That's not and true. There weren't that many this year. There were a decent amount. And then there were some Harry Potter cards, which really broke my heart. 
because they're just expensive now. Yeah, and then there well, were... Be, they're not that expensive. It's just okay. more than we want to pay yeah. for it. <laughs> and then there was that Five Rings game. Legend of the Five Rings? Yeah. The original one? Yes. Well, there's a there's a lot of different games at Card Hollow, but... but those, those seem to be the three big ones. Yeah. So if you have any ideas, definitely shoot us an email. Uh, Take two, wife. So at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Wife was getting ready for our next segment, and yeah. I caught her off guard. You were. So, uh, it or definitely check check out our Facebook group, post in the regular Retro WoW TCG group. I think this is something that a lot of people could try with their play groups, and I think it may be fun if, you know, maybe we can get this to happen at Gen Con next year or some other place. We'll see. So that kind of closes up our discussion for now on Lazy Peon. We'll definitely check back in with everybody with our additional findings. I'm sure we're going to have another million ideas. I already have a bunch just from talking about it again. I mean, I want to build something with dragons. I don't know if it will work, the dragon kin, but we'll find a way. Uh, but anyway, we're actually going to go back in time once again to Gen Con because we didn't get to talk about a few different things from the event, and we wanted to... See if we can give him some spotlight now. All right. So one of our decks that we want to talk about from Gen Con was Nathan Cold's Magdar Frozenheart, which is super fun to say. Yeah. I do love the names on the ogres. You love everything about the ogres, let's be real. Well, the ogres are hilarious. Um, so it was a Magdar Frozenheart. He came in fifth place. And, and that was due... Pretty much to breakers. I'm pretty sure he went three one. Did he? Did uh, uh, Logan say that was not posted? I I'm pretty sure he went three one, and it was just a matter of breakers. But I'm not entirely sure. But for those of you out there that aren't familiar with it, Mogdarth Frozenheart is the Shaman Death Knight monster hero. So like all other dual class heroes from that cycle, they can't use talent cards. But that's basically the only limitation. Yeah. Um. And other than that, it was a pretty strong deck. Um, I watched it. I unfortunately didn't play against it. Oh, you did get to see it? it. I, I, I watched. I watched edges of it. I didn't see it happen against me. Um, but one of our favorites, Commander Ulthok, comes into play in the Magdar deck. So one thing I want to throw out there is Logan did post the list from Nathan up in the group. So if you want to head over there, check it out on the Retro Wow TCG Facebook page. He did mention that there were a few changes he wanted to make to his list, notably swapping Gravitational Pull for Squall Totem and changing orders from Lady Vaj to Overseer's Shadow, and that it was a conversion from his unofficial Worlds 13 list. But of note, he did indicate that he would go in a different direction if he had to do it all over again. Yeah. Now, I think that this list definitely is interesting. I think that Shaman supplies a surprisingly large amount of useful equipment. Yeah, and for some reason, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Shaman is a lot stronger in Classic than it ever was in Contemporary. Uh, I don't... I don't think there were any really great Shaman... I mean, so, at Vegas, when we went, the... There was obviously there was Spider Solitaire and there was the other known shaman deck was Google Shaman. But those and then before that it was Kills in the Blood Scalp. Prior to that, I don't really know. But 
in more recent times, yeah, there was, I don't remember there really being anything in core. Yeah, I mean, and please correct us if I'm wrong, because I'm bound to be, but we did have one uh, guy who would meet up with at a local game store who wanted to play Shaman so bad and just... Oh, yeah, he, he would play he, Shaman no matter what. Yeah. But that, he was playing it also, it was preceding Spider Solitaire being this a thing, true. but at the same time, Feral Spirits and Edge of Oblivion are... They're strong cards. They're strong cards. They're definitely strong cards. Now, and it could also be just be that Shaman was never something that had ever been on my radar. Um, well, on a personal note, because totems <laughs> annoyed me. Well, they the, still annoy me. To be fair, they had to change the rules on them. Yeah, so that was why they, they You weren't the me. only person they annoyed. So, one other one that I missed was Spark Shaman, which is something that I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't seen people talk about a lot. The list just kind of wins sometimes. I like those lists. Those lists can be fun. I mean, there, there's obvious holes in it, and there's avenues of attack that make it difficult to play, but it's something that at the sort of events that we've been having at Gen Con, because it's the shorter number of rounds or smaller number of rounds, you know, you have the chance to do really well with a deck that may not go the long haul over like a 15-round tournament. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. So back to this list, it did focus a lot on equipment, which I think is an interesting take. Uh, I'm curious to know, so Nathan, if you're one of our listeners, definitely please chime in because you mentioned that you're working on an even better monster list. I'm really curious what it is. Yeah. But a couple of ideas that I had, because I was also looking at Mogdar, and not unlike what Nathan played, but there were a few other lists. So, for example, one of my pet cards is Upstanding Pauldrons. Or, I think you should remind our viewers what that card does. So, this particular card is one that most people are not going to like. And the reason I say that is because, well, if you played Magic a long time ago and heard, or have heard of a card called Stasis, it basically doesn't let your opponent play the game. Because oh, you build but... your deck to lock them down. So it's a prison deck. So, this one in particular is more like Winter Orb. But... What Upstanding Pauldrons does is it's obviously a shoulder armor. It provides one armor. It costs three. It's for shamans and hunters. And each player can't ready more than three resources during their ready step. So, as you can imagine, you structure your deck so that you can operate on less resources or ready your resources somehow, and then try and lock down your opponent's resources and basically don't let them play the game. Unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately, land destruction and discard and a lot of the things that have subsequently been deemed, air quotes, unfun by, say, the Hearthstone team and some other games, yeah. uh, all of those sort of things have been kneecapped in WoW and have been since the beginning of the game. Like, the Lobotomizer and various other rogue cards have been able to destroy resources, but most of them cost a million, or they were just really bad. Yeah, I honestly couldn't even tell you half those cards because they never saw the light of day. Well, and it's good. Really, the only one that I can think of is Close Quarters Combat. It's a rogue talent. But to circle it back to Upstanding uh, Spalders, so, or I said Pauldrons before, it's actually Upstanding Spalders. I apologize. So... What I was trying to do is there's, for example, Mind Freeze, which interrupts an ally, and then you can exhaust all your opponent's resources. Hmm. So if they finally build up, build up, build up, build up, they can ready their resources, okay, tap them all down again and reset. Problem is, is readying three a turn 
is usually enough after taking, say, a single turn off, you're probably fine. That's true. So, and there's not a whole lot of ways to tap your opponent's resources or exhaust them. There's not a whole lot of ways in Death Knight or Shaman to ready them yourselves. Uh, one of the other ideas I had, since that one wasn't really working, and I did try it and other stuff, like uh, the Dryad Hero, because <laughs> mm-hmm. she gets hunters, or hunter stuff, didn't quite work there either. One of the other ideas I had was using uh, Totemic Recovery, I think it's called. It, basically, it lets you, for four, put four t- different totems, one of each, from your graveyard directly into play, and then use Army of the Dead. Oh. So... Oh, that sounds fair. So that while it's totally fair. So you can do cute things like play Squall Totem, tap down their board, stall them out, use Eye of the Storm, stall them out. Then you can discard to, say, Darkness Calling and Incendiary Totem to kill one of their allies or do whatever. And then you bring them all back. Oh, and then turn them all into ghouls. And if you have Primal Totem out, you can then slap your opponent's board for four damage and them. It... it, it it had a yeah. lot of cute interactions. It never really got there. Yeah, I can. I, it seems like it would have to be just a little too perfect for that to work. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's out there. Maybe maybe there's an idea. But there, I think the equipment version of Magdar has potential. I think maybe the totem version works because it does allow you to abuse some of the Death Knight mechanics of killing stuff and then using the totems are recurrable sort of thing. Um... There, there are a bunch of different options. Plus, one of the other important overlaps that I found with Mogdar is it shores up a lot of the weaknesses that Death Knights inherently have. So Death Knights can't really deal with ongoing abilities. You have answers for that now. Death Knights also have a hard time dealing with, well, Wonderful, which isn't ongoing, but they have very limited ways to interact with the combo. Now you have an uninterruptible method of dealing with a combo in the form of discarding incendiary totem to something to kill Krabby Finn. Naturally, the problem is, is if your opponent gets wise, you'll probably only catch him in game one with that, is they can rituals of power your quest prior to going off, but at least it gives you something, because otherwise Death Knights are really strapped for what their options are there. Yeah. So what are your thoughts, White? What do you think of this list or any of the other ones that I was rambling on about? So yeah, we have Magdar, who's a pretty cool hero, both literally and figuratively. Wow. I, as I've said, I haven't had much interest in Shaman decks to begin with, but this one actually kind of caught my eye. Wastewater Totem is just a B-word to play against, in my personal opinion. Um, it's strong, obviously. And since I really only got to see the middle to end of the games, Wavestorm being out seemed to help a whole lot, like it does. Um, and like I said before, my, one of my favorite cards of the game, Commander Ulthok, is in there um, for four times, so he sees the light of day quite a bit. Yeah, the old squib face is uh, an interesting tech card and really, I would say, the major reason to play Monster in general. Yeah. I mean, assuming you're not running a dual-class hero, which... I think is an interesting point to discuss, Wife, and I want to get your thoughts on this because it's something that I think we've talked about before offline, but not mm-hmm. definitely not recorded and not all that much. But I think the 
both the modern dual class heroes, so Mogdar, Og, you know, all the, the monster ones, including, and then this, the old dual class heroes of the Scourge heroes, and then the old demon heroes like Zia and Implored Pinprick and Mother Misery and all those other oddball ones that give you weird deck building restrictions. I think not only, obviously, they can only be played in Classic, or most of them, but they also have a lot of unique challenges and a lot of unique opportunities. I definitely like the idea of the dual class heroes. I like the idea of being able to play a variety of things. Um, when I first got introduced to the game, I didn't quite understand how abilities and things worked, and I thought I could choose whatever I wanted. And uh, the first time I sat down with a um, with hus one of husband's binders to build myself my first deck, it was definitely an amalgamation of like three different hero classes. So I think playing two would be fun. Um, <laughs> well, now that deck might be legal. Yeah, now so it might be. Potentially, anyway. <laughs> uh, I think that the loss of the talents on, well, all of them, is significant. You know, yeah. there's a lot of power concentrated in talent cards, and they're often deck-defining. But the fact that you get such a wide and broad variety of different things, I think there's a lot of untapped potential. Yeah, I, I, I don't play talent very well, or at least I have a tendency to not notice it until it's too late sort of thing when I'm building decks. Um, but I do think that it is a loss, but I think there's enough that comes back around to help you out. Exactly. I, unfortunately, maybe the bigger loss is that they are monsters, and that monsters just as a whole kind of got shafted, that they were a mechanic introduced later in the, the lifespan of the game, and then just, they're, they're just, quantity-wise, aren't enough. Maybe yeah. percentage-wise they might have the same percentage of good allies to bad allies that the Alliance and the Horde do, but there just aren't enough neutral things to sustain a huge variety of builds. So make more monsters! Yeah, if you want to do some All custom All the monsters, stuff. Um, which I feel like we come back to a lot anytime we talk about custom. We're like, we could really have more monsters. More monsters would be awesome. Um, pick, pick a monster brand, but we like our monsters in this house. That's definitely for sure. So, to kind of close it all up on this particular topic, Mogdar Frozen Art is a really awesome hero. This list looks really awesome. I'm looking forward, and hopefully Nathan will share with us what other ideas he had. And if anybody out there has other ideas for dual-class heroes, or if you want to throw your list from Gen Con, if you played it, or what you would have played at Gen Con, definitely share it in the group on our page, or shoot us an email. We'd love to talk about it if you want us to break it down on the podcast, by all means, because I think these are the sort of things that help keep everyone interested. It's like, oh, well, that's a cool idea. Like, we started out with, with the Murozon idea. That, In retrospect, that feels so obvious. Yeah. It's like, how did I miss how that? Especially because I've been looking yeah. at that card. But that now I'm excited to try and actually maybe put this into a list sort of thing. So that'll kind of do it for this iteration of Gen Con. I'm sh hopefully there will be more stuff coming in as people listen to yeah. this and post what they have. But we're going to move into off-topic in a minute with an actually a console game this time. We're going to jump right in. So our brand new game 
that has been getting a little bit of play for our off-topic section is Cuphead, which you may have seen because it seems to be all over the internet right now. Yeah, it kind of exploded. And I, I don't know if it was a Kickstarter or what. It's an indie company that... This is how I was describing it to our real-life friends. Picture, like, 1930s Steamboat Willie. Style animation. Yes. And the... To the <laughs> the namesake of the game, Cuphead, is the character with his friend... What was his friend's name? Mugman. Mugman. I always forget that. So the two of them literally look like Steamboat <laughs> Willie, but their head is a cup. Yeah. With a straw. And it's a side-scrolling, I want to say, but there's no scrolling, uh, shooter. So picture NES Contra. But instead of having to go through a level and then fight a boss, you just warp in and fight the boss. And what are the bosses, wife? Why? Why? So why, do we hard. why do we care <laughs> about Cuphead? So no. hard. Um, okay, so we care about Cuphead's bosses because Cuphead was gambling at the Devil's Casino, and the Devil showed up, and they were on a win streak. So of course the boss had to come down because that's what pit bosses do, and said, "Okay." Well, I bet your souls that you'll lose the next roll or whatever. And, and they lose. Naturally. And so now Cuphead and Mugman have to buy their freedom by... They have to buy their freedom by capturing all the people for the devil and their souls. So, as <laughs> we haven't gotten through the people, whole game yet. Quote, unquote. Yeah, we've barely yeah. gotten through the first level. So, we haven't gotten through the whole game yet. Uh, and... We don't know at the end whether Cuphead and Mugman actually get out of their deal with the devil because the tagline for the game is Cuphead never deal with the devil. So I'll leave that to the listener's imagination as to what's probably going to happen. Yeah. So you have to go through the game, and as mentioned, there's an overworld, and then you essentially warp right into the boss. Yeah. So, for example, one of the first bosses, and there's three available at the very beginning... He's is a potato. Literally a giant potato. Yes. And there are different phases to the boss. So not unlike raid bosses and WoW. So phase one is a potato. Then he turns into a crying onion. And then he turns into a, a giant carrot with psychic mind powers. Yeah. If you've ever watched Avatar The Last Air Airbender, he's Boom Boom Man. What was that guy's actual name? They called him Boom Boom Man. No, that's what Sokka called him. Yes. That's not what everyone else called him. But we always listen to Sokka, so it's no, it Boom Boom Man. Something boom. Wasn't it? It was flashy, flashy, boom, boom, man. That anyway. So, point is, is that each boss has different stages, and you have to basically survive to the end. You can unlock, say, different weapons or different dashes or different defensive abilities. So, not unlike the old NES Contra games, where you know there's a spray gun where it shoots three bullets instead of one, and then there's a dash that makes you invulnerable, and you can parry certain attacks. And that's also how you get your partner back in if they happen to not make it past the first five seconds of oh, the game. Oh, wait, wait, who are you talking about? You mean you? I don't yeah. know. Who, yeah, that's who Yeah, it was totally about. you. Um, yeah, that's what happened. Okay, guys, it's really hard. And it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. But, dear God. It is, it's... I am so bad at it. I'm enjoying it immensely, but wife, I am so bad at it. Wife is definitely progressing, but it's a. it's definitely a learning experience. Guys, I, I'm going to level with you. I play Lego and Lego Infinity and Lego Lord of the Rings and Lego Harry Potter. And those are most of my console games. 
centered around the word Lego in front of it. <laughs> so as you can imagine, a, a twitch-sensitive game such as this... Not my best friend. And timing-sensitive, yeah, it, it's been a little challenging for wife. But that's all right, because like I said, she is improving. And I think that's one of the things about this game is that since you don't have the frustration... Now, not to say that it's not frustrating if you're fighting this boss for yeah. 15,000 times, but you don't have the frustration of going through, say, a 10-minute level, hitting Dying. a checkpoint, then having another five minutes of level, and only having a set number of lives, so when you hit the boss, you, have you to go die, and, do it and then again. you have to do it all over again, yeah. and you just want to snap the controller in half. This, at least, you can go, okay, I'm done, I'm stopping. And when you pick it back up again, you're right there. Yeah. And you can jump right back in. So it's it's really challenging, but you can also feel yourself learning and evolving as you're playing the game. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um and the game itself is really fun. Um it's your standard shooter, but I really like the artwork. Yeah, it's the, really interesting. They ha the background music just reminds you of being in a 1930s cartoon. Which is really fun. Yeah, um, I mean, there's dialogue if you actively go talk to a character when they explain the backstory, there's dialogue, but it's a silent cartoon otherwise. Yeah. I think there's, there, or I take back, there's an announcer that announces like the beginning of the fights against yeah, the boss. But, it's like, ready, get set, and then you're, yeah. you're into the fight. But it's, it's a really fun game. Um, check it out. It's also it's available. Bucks. Yeah. It's 20 bucks, but it is also available on Steam, I saw when I was poking around Steam the other day. Yep. So you um, can definitely pick this up on your platform of choice, and, I mean, I, I assume there's a Steam sale coming up. There's usually one in the fall, but if you get the chance, I'd recommend giving it a whirl. Yeah. It's super fun. So, to wrap it all up, I'm wife. And I'm husband. Have a great day, everybody. So, for all other things Random Thoughts, you can find us on iTunes at our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. You can now find us on Facebook under the tag of Random Thoughts. And please feel free to reach out to us on Gmail at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.